Welcome back, Red Devil Sports fans. We are still not back on campus. We are in our respective homes, and we are bringing to you yet another edition of Speak of the Devil's podcast brought to you by The Grazery. I've got Sammy St. Jean here with me and also Dom Fusco. Boys, how are you doing today? Doing real well. Feeling great. Happy to be here. Great stuff. <laughs> We've got a jam-packed episode for all you Red Devil fans out there today. We'll have on later today uh, Coach Alan Soretti the one coach from Dickinson men's basketball. And we'll also have our fun little segment at the end uh, where I give my top five. Sammy gives his top, his hot takes. And Dom gives us his weird story of the day, which is especially weird. You're going to want to stick around to hear that. Uh, but let's, let's talk, let's talk some sports. What was going on this weekend, guys? I don't know. I think the biggest thing that we definitely have to touch on is, of course, the Big Ten announcing that they're considering coming back, and they all voted. It was a unanimous decision, and that uh, it's, I think, October 23rd, that weekend, I think is what they announced they were planning on. So definitely so, yeah. positive news, but also exciting news in terms of college football, because you get a number of top 25, even top 10 playoff contending teams coming back to the league. But it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that, considering they're missing so much, so many weeks. They're missing, what, five, six weeks? Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how they handle the playoffs and the rankings and all that stuff. So are they – is it just I, – I did hear about that. Is it just football that's coming back, do you guys know, or are there any other sports that are going to be resuming? Well, okay. we, know, we know that um, Division One basketball, they said that there's like a, a pretty – they have a pretty good idea that they're going to be coming back. But uh, I don't think anything has officially been announced yet, but there have been like rumors and stuff that it's like it's, it's pretty much good to go. Um, but definitely the Big Ten, they're, they're all good to go. They sent out that, uh, that statement, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before or something like that. So it's exciting stuff. I'm excited to get some, some top-tier teams into, onto my Saturdays. Yeah, no, I think, um, too, there's a lot of conferences that aren't playing other sports that, you know, don't typically get televised, like field hockey and stuff. But I know we talked about, um, talked to, I believe, you and Justin yesterday, Sam, about how the ACC is playing field hockey still. Right. There's a chance that not everyone's season is going to be canceled in terms of that as well. So right. Division One field hockey and, more promisingly, the Division Three Dickinson field hockey team might have a spring season to look forward to. Well, yeah, I mean – Field hockey, most of the heavy hitters are in the ACC. I know uh, UNC, uh, Syracuse, and some of those other teams, Duke, are all usually, you know, the top-tier field hockey programs. And I know that I had, uh, I had one of the national champions from the UNC field hockey team on my other podcast. So, uh, yeah, I did know that AC, the ACC was playing field hockey. But I wasn't sure if any other fall sports were right. resuming, were going on that I didn't notice, that I was out of the loop. Uh, can always count on you guys for uh, for catching me up to speed there. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. Definitely some some big news coming from the Big Ten. Uh, there's also some some other news uh, in terms of baseball. Uh, the MLB has finally decided that the playoffs are going to be in bubble format, and they'll all be in uh, Arlington, Texas. Is going to be where the uh, World Series is going to be. So I'm glad to see that Rob Manfred finally got some sense and. Uh, you know, took on the bubble, the bubble action, like the other sports, because the NHL and the NBA just crushed it in terms of um, the pandemic and stuff. So I'm glad to see baseball is on that right track because it was a mess at the beginning with the Marlins starting us off with about like 50 cases. It wasn't really 50, but you now it was like 19 or something like that, which is absurd. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be good to see one. They're doing it, I believe in Texas because of the new stadium, uh, yes. which looks like a warehouse from the outside, but we'll leave that aside. <laughs> um, but I think it'll be much easier for them because the MLB is like, I, I it's kind of like football, I think in the sense where it'd be tough to do bubbles for that many people. So it'll be much easier to do when you narrow down the amount of people that are going to be around. And granted, they might not have a complex like Disney, like the NBA is working with, but it'll definitely be a much more feasible thing when you narrow down the teams nearly in half. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like they, they definitely could have done something. Like I know that um, Perfect Game has like a huge complex down in Georgia where there, there are like eight fields that are like pro-made. Like they're, they're all just sick. I actually I, – I played down there, and it was, it was unbelievable. And – they definitely could have like put some teams like half, maybe like the NL down there and then find like another place like out in like Texas or California. I feel like they could have just done so much, like so much of of a better job than just having just a regular season just shortened. But I don't know. That's just me, but I'm glad that they finally got some sense. I would have liked to see them put them all in like Kansas and just go, Field of Dream style for the entire season. Just nobody there, just yes. playing in the cornfield. And, you know, the cornfield be the fences. And, you know, yep. you hit into the cornfield. That's the home run. That's what I would have loved to see. I think that would have been great for baseball. That's sick. You know, the ratings are down. Too. Nobody's watching. It, nobody really cares, to be honest, yeah, as much as they usually do. I, would, I think they could have spiced it up and gone Little League World Series style or, um, you know, put them out in Kansas or – you know, whatever, Iowa, and have them play yeah. there. I think that, that would have been sick. They were actually going to have, like, a classic game, like a Field of Dreams classic with uh, Chicago, like no. the White Sox, and um, I forget. The Yankees, some, right? The Yankees, yeah. yeah. And then um, they, the pandemic hit, and they couldn't do it anymore. But they had, like, they, they had the whole thing built out already. Like, it, and it looked sick. It looked just like the movie in Field of Dreams. It was so cool. I still feel like they could have just used spring training. Because Arizona and Florida is pretty close together, I feel like that would have been just like a very easy option that they yeah. wouldn't have had to do very, do very or little to any prep for. Like they mm-hmm. already have the stadium set up; they're already being maintained. Like, oh yeah, the uh, they could have they could have put in the effort to they could have done field of dreams. They could have put in a little bit of effort. The the MLB definitely bungled the whole situation, especially at the beginning. They had no idea; they were just making making stuff up as they went along, and it was it was tough. And it it, it hurt my team. They hurt the Phillies because they weren't allowed to play because they got in contact with the Marlins. So they weren't allowed to play for two weeks, and I missed out on two weeks of Phillies baseball. Well, they stink anyway. Getting better, man. They are. Getting better. <laughs> being a Philly sports fan, it's not, it's it's, not the time. It's been tough the past couple weeks being a Philly sports fan, especially with that whole thing that happened on Sunday with the Red – or I'm sorry, the Washington football team. That was, that was a mess. I mean – yeah, I mean, the Colts fans have just as re- much reason to be sad after this past week and losing to the Jaguars. Go Gardner Jags. Min- go Jags. Gardner <laughs> Minshew tore up the Colts. And uh, I do have a message to everyone whose team struggled in week one. Do not worry. There was no preseason, so don't panic until after week three. That is going to be what I'm going to stick to. Um, because there's no preseason, and especially if you have a lot of new pieces, I feel like teams should not be freaking out just yet, and their fan bases should not be freaking out just yet. No offense, Sam, but I, 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 um, I'm a secondary Jags fan. One of my high school teammates, uh, undrafted free agent, just made the, te- made the squad for the Jags, so he made his debut so on sad. Sunday, uh, defensive line. So shout out my guy, Doug. Um, go Jags. Awesome. 
I can't, I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that. <laughs> While the Eagles stink, go Jags. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a secondary team, but uh, I know the Eagles gotten bit by the injury bug yet again. Um, but you know, I think I heard that Lane Johnson and Miles Sanders are on track to play this Sunday, so we should be we should be all right. But doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. <laughs> Before we move on to our uh, our next segment with Coach Shreddy, just want to uh, what a shakeup in the NBA, huh? Go Denver. Let's go, Nuggets. Right? All right. What do you say, that's, Nuggets? That's why we have this in honor of Dame Lillard. They had beef going on with the bu- in the bubble between Dame Lillard and the Clippers. The Clippers talked absolute nonsense the entire time to Dame Lillard, even though he was having an unreal stretch down there. That's true. And bubble MVP. They got what they deserved. They got 100% what they deserved. And playoff, Paul George is no more. He does not exist. Yep. He is probably the least clutch player I've ever seen. He's terrible in the playoffs. He was awful. He was horrible. And Kawhi Leonard, awful in game he seven. Bad. I don't want to hear another thing about Kawhi Leonard being like the best two-way player since Jordan. Like I saw that on first take this morning. And I totally agreed with Stephen A. Like they I don't want to ripped I Max Kellerman apart for his takes supporting yeah. Kawhi. It was hilarious. I definitely did not want to miss out on that. Um, but I yeah, I don't want to hear another thing about Kawhi Leonard. Like in the top five conversation ever again. Like if he was a top five player, he would have, he, he would have carried that team. Like uh, no question. Yeah. Especially because then they were up three, one in the series too. So <laughs> they had the, the one up, they had the series wrapped up. And especially cause I believe, I don't remember if it was the game that they went up three, one, but I know it was one of the games. Uh, it was two, one or three, one where Paul George went off for like 30. Like he had a legitimately good game mm-hmm. and, and they both him and Kawhi, quiet for the rest of the series pretty much but if you want to we'll stick with the nba for another minute the celtics and heat no matter who you're a fan of that was a fantastic basketball game fantastic basketball game to watch you'll see that block bam out of bio had at the end blocking jason tatum that was probably the best block i've ever seen it was gross i didn't think he was gonna be able to go straight up with that i really didn't i didn't it, it blew my mind that he was able to go straight up with that not get any contact on his hand. All ball. It was crazy. Uh, they they showed like a, a close up angle of it, and his his hand was like parallel to the to the top of the hoop, and he was like keeping almost keeping the ball out, but the ball was still on Jason Tatum's hand, so no goaltending, obviously. So it was just, it was an unbelievable block, and I I think the Heat right now for me are the team to beat. Like they they look good. Them and the Nuggets, I think, are gonna make it. A very very interesting conference finals week. I think uh, I think everybody who works for the NBA and uh, ratings with everything they would love nothing more than a Lakers Celtics NBA finals, just like the old school Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. I would love nothing more than a Nuggets Heat finals. Just so that's that's what I'm pulling for. I love it. Jamal Jamal Murray versus. Jimmy Butler. I want to see that. Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. That kid's been killing it. So good. Well, what's it called? I went to a New England prep school, and I do have to shout out Duncan Robinson, who plays for the Heat, who also went to one of, uh, one of the schools up there. I forget which school exactly, but um, there's this, uh, an account on Instagram I follow that represents all the leagues or all the teams that, like in New England, and they give him a lot of love because he went undrafted, and now he's a major contributor in the playoffs. But I do want to mention Kawhi Leonard with his fingertip block. That was pretty – as much as we just dumped on the Clippers, that block was still pretty impressive. Maybe not as impressive as ESPN was hyping it up to be, 
but still a pretty impressive clutch block nonetheless. All right, with that being said, I think we covered just about all we could in that little time period. Uh, coming up next, we got our interview with Coach Alan Soretti. So stay here and uh, get ready for that. Healthy, not boring. That's not just the motto of the Grazery, but it is also their promise to you. Visit the Grazery in Carlisle today and indulge on fresh Mediterranean-inspired salads, sandwiches, and soups, among other great options on a menu that serves both breakfast and lunch. Eat in or take out. No reservation needed here. So hurry down to 156 West High Street, just yards from the campus, and enjoy a fresh and feel-healthy meal today. Yeah, we got all these ad reads for food down in Carlisle, and we can't go. It's pretty disappointing. I'm not going to lie. For future reference. Just for the future, for yep. Future. That's right, that's right. So we have Coach Alan Soretti here from the Dickinson men's basketball team. Coach, how you doing today? Hey, Sam, how you doing? Great. We're going to start off with a couple questions. Um, my first question to you is going to be, how is your process from like your coach, just your regular day in the life of a coach changed since the pandemic? A little bit. Uh, I'm sure yeah. as your processes as students have, have changed just a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's been, uh, it's been good. I told some folks, it's, it almost seems like we're busier than we normally would be because you take out the travel we would normally be doing and you throw in the communication piece with the Zooms, which I'm sure we're all tired of, and the Microsoft Teams, and the, you know, uh, I'm sure the guys are tired of me checking in on text, and coach, you just texted me, like, what do you, what do you want to check on? <laughs> but I, I mean, we, we've tried to pivot, and, and as we've told the guys, if, if you're not impacted from a health standpoint, and, and you and your family are not impacted financially, then you got to find some positives here and flip this into an advantage for, for yourself and for us moving forward. So that's, that's what we're trying to do as a staff. Definitely. Yeah. I, something I heard that kind of has resonated with me and stuck with me a lot throughout this, uh, you know, these past couple of months was one of my mentors told me like you either go through something or you grow through it. So, you know, you have to find those like positives within it. Uh, and I know I talked with Adam, one of the other trainers at Dickinson and, you know, he was kind of telling me like how coaches are now, you have to become, you have to play more than just a role of a coach, which I mean, I'm sure you, you do uh, more often than not when you're at school but even more so now. So, you know, how have you kind of transitioned into also playing like a mentor, like a psychiatrist, like a nutritionist, a trainer, you know, all these different things that, you know, you have to have to be doing for these kids now. No, that's a great point. And I, I you know, it's obvious, we always view that as part of our role as to be a mentor and be a part-time, you know, a therapist and, and part-time parent and part-time friend and et cetera. I think the challenge now is finding the right, right line. Because, you know, with everybody being on Zoom and everybody, you know, being a little stir crazy at home, we don't want to overdo it, whether that's with contact or with our expectation of the, the student athletes. But the flip side of that is to be a student athlete, you know, our job is to challenge you, to push you, to make you uncomfortable if you're going to grow. And, and we still want to do that. So, you know, that's been the biggest challenge is, is you know, we're always going to be supportive. And I think most of the coaches here are going to go overboard in that regard. But there are times when we still need to hold our – student athletes accountable, you know, for, you know, we, we talked about being on a zoom and approaching that properly, still having good eye contact, make sure you're showing up early and not, not late. And, you know, all those little things where we're not in person where we can normally have those conversations face to face, or maybe that's some extra running or, or uh, physical fitness. We're not, we don't have that ability right now. So trying to find a kind of the right line there to make sure everybody knows what's expected of them, but also know that we're here to support them. Now, in a normal year, obviously, you can have guys now in the fall, like you get them in the gym for individual workouts, do team lifts, all that kind of stuff. How are you managing that kind of 
landscape doing those still making sure people are getting in their individual work, still getting the team together, all that kind of stuff. We've put, you know, we, we did a, we do a, what is your why sheet? It's basically a motivational kind of um, treatise at the beginning of the year to find out why our guys are here. What do they want out of the experience? Why do they play basketball? Why do they play college basketball? What do they view as their strengths and core convictions? And then how do they execute those daily with their actions? And we did that a few weeks ago and, and we've been a little heavier on the communication, um, bonding, uh, you know, kind of team building stuff. We're going to kick into gear with the basketball stuff more October 1st. That's the date the NCAA gave us for direct communication and activity levels to ramp up. The strength training we've had in place all, all summer, all spring, all summer, and, and now uh, Matt Quatrone, the assistant football coach who's nationally certified. Matt does our program, and he does a great job. He's already Zoomed with our guys twice. He's meeting with them in small groups. He's talking about dietary issues and, you know, trying to get them to their goals, whether that be gain some weight, work on conditioning, add some power. That's a really big focus athletically because, you know, the one benefit of this is we're not playing every day. We're not run down at all. So for, you know, we, you guys are saying we have a couple, six, 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 seven, a hundred and however many pound guys. And, uh, you know, they needed to add some, some, some weight to their frame. So this, this time period for them, this should be an advantage. They need to really focus on doing that. So we've been heavy on the strength training side, heavy on the communication and bonding side. And then we'll push into the basketball side a little bit later in October. I think the other thing is too, you know, we all work towards a goal, right? So when you have a goal, you, you can work backwards on how you plan to get there. We have no goal right now. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, we, we don't want to win the league and be good. We don't know when that's going to happen. You know, is that going to be January? Is that going to be February? Is that going to be 21, 22? So it's, it's hard to, to really plan the athletic piece of that other than, hey, work on these strengths. Let's enhance these, these areas that you can improve in and really work on your physicality more than anything. Good. Coach, how is your uh, incoming class of freshmen doing with all of the, these changes? And um, if you could give us a little snapshot of, what, um, of how they look and what, uh, what, do you, what you hope them to uh, bring to the team. Undefeated so far. That's true. <laughs> haven't, haven't been late. They haven't missed a meet. They're great. They're the best class we've ever had. Um, no, they've been great. They, um, all five guys decided to stay on time with their education, which, great. you know, for all of our guys, both the incoming and returning, our conversations with they and their families were, what is your goal? Uh, is, it, is it staying on time academically? Is it financial? Is it athletic and using your eligibility? You tell us what's important, and then we can work on the how, because there's a way we can get there anywhere you want to go. So all those guys, they and their folks felt it was really important. They stayed on track with their academic studies, which we agreed. So they're all, all taking classes virtually full-time. Uh, there are five of them um, in, in no particular order. Randy Shepard is a point guard uh, from Virginia area. Uh, solid, tough, physical, can make a three, lives in the mid-range, uh, really grew into his position. This past year had a really strong senior year that made this opportunity a possibility. Uh, Andrew Gostovich is a 6'3 shooter from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Uh, played on a state title team at Haddonfield his junior year as a reserve, came out as a senior, and, and they had lost a, a big portion of their team. So their expectations were that the team would struggle. They went and won 20 games again. I think he led the area in three-pointers three made, uh, if it. not three-point percentage. So he's a shooter. Uh, he was also a, a, a kind of national-level cross-country runner. They have one of the best cross-country programs wow. in the country. So he looked at some Division I opportunities to run cross-country and decided he wanted to come play basketball uh, here at Dickinson. Awesome. Uh, so we have those two guys. Yeah, Ibrahim Kane uh, is a 6'5", uh, kind of a swing forward, can play really four positions from Philadelphia, the academy at Palumbo. 
uh, was the player of the year in his division of the public league. I uh, was an all-state selection in Pennsylvania and averaged a double-double. Uh, so, you know, really strong, physically ready kid that they can come in and contribute. Uh, Drew Hauheisen is a 6'5", uh, very similar to Ebe, um, kind of a 2-3-4. but can also play with the ball in his hands uh, from Ocean City, Maryland area. Uh, Drew averaged a double-double in high school, was the player of the year in his league. Um, and, and another guy who's physically set and prepared to play college basketball. And then the fifth member of that class, Anthony Gabe. Anthony's a 6'6 wing as uh, a shooter uh, from Wisconsin, but he went to a prep school at Culver Academy in Indiana. And, and they were one of the best teams in Indiana. They had um, been a state championship level team his junior and would have been his senior year. And Anthony was one of their better wing defenders and one of their better shooters as a wing athlete. He also played with one of the top three or four players in the state of Indiana who's actually going to the University of to play at IU. So Anthony has some room to grow into kind of being an alpha on the court because, you know, he has that ability, but he hasn't had that expected of him playing alongside of Trey his, his career. So we think a good class brings some length, brings some versatility, uh, brings a physical readiness, brings some shooting. So we, we like that group. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you have like f you have five guys there that are ready to come in and you know make an impact on this team. Uh, as you know, as we saw last year, you only graduated one senior in Bryce Allen. Uh, not a very big junior class either. So this team was primarily made up of sophomores uh, and freshmen last year, especially while bright with the absence of Bryce Allen with the hand injury. And but I think that's really good, despite you know not having as many wins in the win, not having as many W's in the win column last year. Every single game I, I went to, we had these young kids that were scrapping and they were fighting no matter who you guys were playing, no matter what the score was, all your guys were playing hard. So, you know, how are you expecting these young guys to, you know, they're still young. Most of your team's going to be led by juniors this year. You know, have you seen them kind of step up into this leadership role uh, away from school? And are you confident in them when you come back and when it's time to play? No, that's a great point, Dom. And that's a piece we missed. So, you know, I, I don't know what you know, the, the four wins is unacceptable. It's, it's not, I don't, I don't care who we play. It's not good enough. And, and the guys know that. And, uh, you know, in the, in the last 10 or 11 years, we've raised, raised our expectations regardless of who's in the uniform to make sure that we're representing the program in a certain way. So we were disappointed with that. But if you look at the whys, um, you know, I think the biggest piece to Bryce going out wasn't only his ability on court, which we saw later in the year when he came back, we were much different. Mm -hmm. It was also not having him every day. So, so not having a guy to tell you like, hey, you, you got to do this better. Hey, coach means this. Hey, I, I know it's hard right now, but you got to keep working. He was with us, but, you know, when, when you suffer an injury like that and not know if you're going to return at all, it's hard to have the same voice that you had for your other three years. And that was the piece where I think, you know, we had enough talent, but it wasn't – those guys weren't used to that role. So, so that large sophomore to junior class you're talking about to supplement Ryan Devine and, and uh, Chas Battaglia – they had never been in a position to address other teammates like that. They, they were worried about themselves coming in every day, let alone everybody else. So we really struggled there. And I think that's what you saw in a lot of games where we were competitive for, you know, 28, 32, 34, 38 minutes. And then we'd have those two to six minute stretches where we just couldn't do anything. Uh, and, and, and that game gets away from you. And that's where, you know, you'd love to force that growth. And, and with Bryce out, some of the guys had to learn that. And, and it was put upon them. But that you can only get that through experience. And we should have that now, you know, for a, a Jack Tierney and a Jack Spellman and a Chris Bates and, a, and we can go all the way down the line with that junior class. Those guys have all done it for two years now. So there's an expectation there. They're responsible for more than just themselves. You know, they got to come in and carry, carry the other guys and have expectations of each other moving forward. 
I think when you have that, you know, the talent level in the league is great, but it's not that disproportionate. It's not where you walk in and, you know, I, I know Swarthmore handled us twice pretty easily, but, you know, we're down, th- I think, three there at the half. Mm-hmm. You know, Johns Hopkins beat us by 10 here, pretty much a five-point game most of the game. And, and those are great teams, top 10 teams in the country. We're not near that level right now, but I think the intangible piece was a, was a lot further away than just the talent piece. Oh, 100%. And I feel like, especially when you have a year where you didn't get as many wins in the win column, a lot of the big thing is just proving that you can compete against teams like Swarthmore. But I want to go back to, you're talking about all the incoming recruits from the most recent year. And with them, the upside is you still have the 2019 season as your sample size to look at them, even though they didn't play this most recent year. But with recruiting now, how is, what, what is that like considering you don't, it's two years now almost or a year and a half basically without seeing them play or having that kind of sample size. So what is recruiting like? Well, it's, Sam, it's a good question. I mean, one is basketball is a little different. I know all sports have a different timeline. Ours tends to be a, like a two or three year dance and that can be excruciating at times, but we, you know, we would come into a normal year and maybe have 800, a thousand kids that you end up rating and speaking to this year is going to be down, but we're still going to be at three, four, 500 just because of the volume we've had coming into this year. And Adam Spinella, our assistant does a great job. And you know, that's, that's one advantage to, to the length of the process for basketball. Now you'd also be surprised that a lot of places are taking this current pandemic in different ways. There's a lot of kids out playing. So we don't, you know, we're not off campus, but we get live streams we get updated highlight videos and it's not the real thing, but gives you an indication. And then the last piece of that is, you know, for us, you know, having been in this almost 20 years now and been here over 10, we're, we have pretty good contacts that we can trust. So now when we call guys in those areas, high school coaches, AAU coaches, friends, former players, Hey, I need you to talk to so-and-so and see, see how Billy is. See, see how good Sam is. Hey, find out if Tom's a good kid. And, and those are people you can lean on because the network is strong enough. So we've done a ton of that. We've been fortunate to be invited to a bunch of online presentations for different AAU programs in different parts of the country where we can pitch the Dickinson program and, you know, hopefully attract some kids through that. Uh, and then we've been fortunate, you know, Dickinson was very thoughtful in having the campus open, you know, we're very restricted in, in where we can go. Uh, masks at all time, limited, limited amount of folks that can come with a visit. But we've had several kids on campus. We've, we've probably had 18 kids on campus somewhere in that ballpark. And, you know, we've, we've family Zoomed with 30 or 40 different prospective student athletes because, you know, we're just trying to get a feel for who fits Dickinson. So we feel like 21's in a good place. You know, we want to bring in four or five guys. And, and we have a very active group that I think have potential to become part of that class. Great, yeah, and that, that's a good point. Now, with all, all this talk about bringing in new guys, talking about your freshman class, who do you specifically uh, see stepping into a leadership role, uh, one of your returners uh, for this year? Who do you expect to have a big year, and who, who do you want to step into that leadership role? Well, I mean, I, Jack Tierney is probably the guy that comes off the uh, – rolls off the tongue first, being that he's been a prominent rule guy for a couple of years here. Um, you know, it's 6'7". You know, he has everything to his game. He's athletic. He can shoot it. You know, he has to continue to grow in his confidence and his command, but he wants to lead. You know, he wants to check in on teammates. He wants to lead Zooms. He wants to organize the voting drive. Like, he wants to do that stuff, and, you know, that, that's a big part of it. You know, Ryan Devine and Chad Battaglia, obviously, is rising seniors, and I didn't want to omit them. They're, they're by the nature of their, their place in our program, how long they've been here, how they know what our expectations are. They're going to have to lead. So I, I think those two, obviously, are going to be prominent there. Um, you know, Danny Conlon is, is a rising sophomore. 
we kind of have a leadership council where we take guys from each class and Danny's a software representative there. And, right. and he's another guy who's kind of taken it upon himself to want to reach out to the other guys on the team weekly or biweekly, make sure he's checking in, you know, he, he's taken that role on and wanted to have it. So again, as I mentioned last year where that was more of a challenge this year, there's already a couple guys I mentioned who, who want to take that on, who realized we missed it last year and they want to be a part of the solution. Gotcha. Yeah. I was curious, um, you know, you've been there for, you've been at Dickinson for so long you've coached so many different players uh, and you, you know, different alumni are doing so many different things. Uh, you know, f- football and basketball, we were lucky enough to have a lot of alumni come back. Uh, what was that last, not this past spring, but the spring before that. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you can, you know, that these Dickinson, uh, at these athlete alumni, you know, they really care about the kids and they want to see them succeed. Have you been in contact with any of the alumni? Uh, have you had them talk to any of the kids or like, you know, have, how have you like kind of utilized the, and leveraged them uh, in this process? If, if you have. No, we have, it's been huge. So we have a friends of the red devil board. So we have seven guys that are seven guys. And actually there's um, we're with the women's team. So several men and women who comprise that board who meet monthly to go over issues related to men's and women's basketball here at Dickinson. And, you know, we've had everything from, we had four of the members of the elite eight team from 2014. They came on a zoom with our guys and they watched their elite eight, one of the tournament games in a condensed fashion. It was about 40 minutes and they commentated on it. Hey, here, Hey, look at this. Here's why you guys do that drill. You know, we didn't do this during the year, and this is where it come up, came up to bite us, but here's why it worked out in the tournament. They talked about their experiences, the bonds they have with one another, what they're doing now, and then our guys got to ask them questions, which was usually, impact, usually impactful. We had Nick Leonardelli, who's an assistant coach at UMass Lowell, and Jimmy Martelli, who's an assistant at VCU, men's yeah. basketball. Uh, Jimmy and Nick both jumped on a Zoom with our guys and talked about basically the things that they've seen out of great teams, great leaders, and great in, individual success stories in their time in college athletics. And they answered a bunch of questions. Um, we've had uh, that alumni council has actually been in charge of getting some of our older guys some internships during this time off to where they can juggle some of the virtual work and intern. Uh, so we've been really fortunate that three of our guys have internships right now, paid internships with alums while they're taking class. So it's been nonstop with the alums. They've been wonderful. Um, they've also a- actively been involved with some of our recruiting efforts too. So, yeah, that's a huge piece. You know, the program is not, we always say it, it's, it's not really necessarily the schools. It's definitely not mine. Uh, it's the players who've come before. You know, it's, it's what they make of it. And those guys have a strong bond towards one another. And they realize what the school, the program did for them. And they want to do the same for our current players and the players to come. So they've been very active in this time. And, and it's, it's been hugely, hugely helpful. That's great to hear. Yeah, now, I mean, don't want to keep you forever. So just one more question for me. And this kind of goes, I mean, you came around, I believe 2009 is when you came in here to Dickinson, right? So old, yes. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, you've been here for over 10 years now and you turned a team which wasn't necessarily competing at the highest level before that and turned them into a contender within a, uh, a couple of years. And obviously you mentioned 2014 season. So what has been your key to success? And again, what's made you want to stay with Dickinson for so long? Well, the people, right? I mean, it's been our guys. I mean, it's been the alums that we just talked about. I mean, that kind of commitment, you know, oftentimes people say, well, what can separate you in a recruiting situation when, when you're going up against very similar schools that, that are either ranked 
10 spots ahead of you or 10 spots behind you. Well, the financial piece is going to be important. You know, you can talk about facilities and all those things, but more than that, it's going to be the people that connect to that individual and, and how they can transfer their experience at Dickinson and, and the emotion that can bring to them when they communicate that to someone else. Right. So when our alums talk to people, it's not just like a, a structured, Hey coach, what should I say? It's, we just let them talk and the things that they touch upon, about what was moving and what was motivational for them while at their time at Dickinson and how that's impacted them, that, that affects people. The people feel that. And that, that when you, we always talk about wearing the red, that's, that's why it should be different. You know, when you, act about, you ask about staying, you know, that, that's the other piece. It's the people. You know, I, the, the campus is beautiful. The, the history over 230 years old is wonderful. The rankings are great. All, all that's great. But, you know, connecting with Jerry Wixit and, and checking in with Adam Honig, who's working in the replay office during these playoffs and, teasing him because there's a replay every five minutes. Um, you know, Chris Cox checking in and, and Jimmy Fennerty getting engaged today. Um, you know, th those are the things that, that matter. So when those guys have such a commitment to the college and to the program, you in turn feel that commitment to them because we were a small piece in bringing them here and bringing them together. And then you want that for the current guys, you know, right? And that's the biggest thing. And, and I guess that's the last part about the success. We have found that, that most of the teams that stay – so tightly connected are the teams that really succeeded at a high level. And, and, and that doesn't mean they had to win a national championship. Maybe that high level was five wins in football or, or eight wins in field hockey because that was something that had never been done. Or maybe they were turning a program around or whatever it is. Those people tend to share bonds together as the years go by because of kind of committing to a goal and then starting to see it through. And, and that's what we want. That's the biggest disappointment in the last couple of years is that you know, Ryan Devine and Chaz Battaglia, they, are, would, they would be our first class to not play in a Centennial Conference championship game if we don't get there this year. And that's, you know, something – I know you can't guarantee that to every class, but that's something to be proud of, that, that, you know, every class that's come through here has played in at least one. And Ryan and Chaz have played in at least a playoff game, so we still have that. Mm -hmm. But Jack Tierney's class, they, got, they haven't. So, you know, that has to change. Like, that has to be a guarantee in your four years here one, you're not only going to experience some of those things that the alum did, alums did to bond them, but two, the, the winning part of that is going to solidify those bonds. So we got to make sure that that's a consistent thing. Yeah. Coach, before we let you go, I do have just one more question. Yeah. Um, our sources tell us that you have a law degree and <laughs> that you are kind of the liaison between Dickinson Athletics and the NCAA. So, and whenever they send in rules and regulations, you're the guy that looks it over. So, yep. What do you see the NCAA doing for not just basketball, but for all sports kind of in general to get, to get everybody back into normalcy? Great question. Uh, your sources are correct. Uh, great, <laughs> great job there, Sam. Here's the ground. Um, I think it goes more, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll touch upon it in two areas. Well, I mean, one, it's more of a cultural thing. Like I, I know this isn't a political statement. I, people have been impacted, right? And, and all of our way, ways of life have been impacted. So like the idea of, of being smart, staying protected and staying away from folks, even if it might not impact you physically, you know, we've seen that it hasn't really impacted as many younger people, especially of your ages. That's great. But like, if the numbers remain high, that's going to hurt all of us from coming back together and certainly going to hurt all of us from being able to compete. And that's the reality of it. The second part of that is really the availability of testing and what each school can, can do to get to that point. And that's more of a regional geographic thing. Like, you know, when we were 
going to come back here in full. Dickinson was fully committed to having everybody back, and, and we were excited about it. But when the testing labs were coming back with the delays they were facing in testing, it was really like, okay, Dom, you don't feel well. We're going to test you, and now you have to wait till Quest Lab comes back 16 days from now with your test result. You got to stay in your room. And our administration said that's ridiculous. Like, that's not fair to the students. We're not going to do that. So the NCAA has asked that high-contact sports like basketball, football, soccer, that we test at least weekly, if not biweekly. So the turning around of those tests is going to be the key thing. You guys have seen the Big Ten and the Pac-12 with the rapid testing that has just come out. Having that availability, they're now more comfortable jumping out and playing. We're going to be in a similar situation. There has to be an availability of testing. I've seen floated schedules for men's basketball starting in late February, early March. Wow. Uh, I've, we've seen those. Um, but if the numbers remain where they are and the testing remains inaccessible, you know, I'm not being cynical. I'm just being a realist. I mean, I, I think that would hinder us. I think if those two things are possible, if we see numbers um, kind of plateau or, or, or move down and, and, and we see the testing become available, I think it's a possibility. You know, and obviously for, especially for all you guys, for everybody, especially for the spring sports, yeah. You know, to, to have last year be a loss and then to, to potentially be in position to lose another. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hate it for everyone, but I really, really feel it for those folks. Yeah, Coach, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You were a fantastic interview. Um, thanks again, man. It's, the interview is only as good as its, uh, as its questioner. So I appreciate you guys. Appreciate what you're doing, staying connected to the, to the department and the programs and uh, keeping everybody active and involved with uh, Dickinson athletics until we all get back out on the court field pool all that stuff again thanks coach really thanks, appreciate, coach. It. appreciate it. it thanks guys stay safe you too, you too. All right, see you guys complex is something no coach or athlete wants to deal with which is why every team aims to keep schemes and execution simple so success is easy to achieve that's the game plan used by grazery right here in carlisle simple ingredients that are fresh healthy and above all delicious Healthy, not boring food that is not just good, but good for you. Made from only the healthiest and simple ingredients. So come in today and enjoy a great meal made simple at Grazery. Located at 156 West High Street, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. God's country. Let's go. (laughs) All right. So we're going to kick off our uh, little fun segment of the show. Sammy's going to give us his predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. And Dom is going to give us his weird factoid, his weird story of the day. And I can't wait to hear what Dom has to say. So Dom's going to go first. All right. So as you guys know, I would try to do something weird, but enticing in sports. And, you know, it's really everything in sports is just weird right now. Uh, And, you know, there's not a whole lot going on besides like the actual games. So I'm switching it to odd news with Dom. And I'm just going to bring you something weird, funny, just to keep it light, you know, keep it fresh. Uh, and, you know, keep you guys uh, caught up to speed in what's going on in, uh, you know, pop culture uh, and this, that, and the other. So today uh, I read a pretty crazy story. Uh, I know we've all, uh, we've all seen some different things in terms of masks when we go out into public places, uh, you know, whether it be just a simple standard mask or a bandana or one of those the things that you pull up over your face, which I personally I enjoy. I'm a fan the of one Gators, of them. Yeah, the um, yeah, I actually had one friend who put a Gatorade wrapper over his mouth. Uh, he forgot a mask when he went to a school. Um, but this trumps all. So I was reading about in England, uh, I think in the Manchester area, there a, a man walked onto the 
public transportation bus where obviously in uh, in London in, or in England right now, you're required to wear a mask just as you are in uh, the US. So this gentleman walks onto the bus and he has a snake around his neck, like a big snake, like a, a pet snake, but just a very large snake. And at first the people on the bus were like, oh, like that's, it's just, uh, it's like a, some sort of like fun scarf. Like it's, you know, it's fake, but that's like, oh, it's cool, whatever. And then the snake starts slithering all up and around, like up, go up around his head and all that kind of stuff. And they just start videotaping him and the guy's just sitting there like nothing's wrong. And he's just letting his snake kind of check out what's going on the bus. And uh, they, you know, they, he got, he eventually got off the bus and they, so they interviewed the some of the people on the uh, on the bus, and they were like, "Yeah, we just thought it was uh, thought it was a fun mask at first, fun scarf thing, you know, and then started moving, and uh, you know they thought it was just funny, and nobody really seemed to care, which is bizarre. I don't like snakes, so uh, oh. if it was me, I I would have certainly said something, but uh, yeah. So England, that's what they're doing over there. Uh, that that's your uh, that's your odd news with Dom for the week." <laughs> That's unbelievable. I can't, I, I'm at a loss for words, honestly. Um, I don't really know how to respond to that other than I would have been the first person off that bus just because I am with Dom. I do not do snakes. That's so well trained. I mean, I don't even know how you would train a snake. Like, what, the, what, what kind of snake even is it? Like, is it dangerous? Like, what, like, how do you even, how do you even know? I, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it was big. It was like a very large snake. I, I don't know my species very well, but it looked like a, one of those like big, like boa constrictor type things. Wasn't obviously a boa constrictor, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, it was, it was big. It was more than just like a little thing you see at PetSmart. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That's, that is interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll kick off my little uh, top five like list. For uh, for this week, this week I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go away from the NFL. Finally, I know I got some backlash about that in the past couple episodes. I was a little too football oriented. That's fine. I'll switch it over to the NBA this week, and I'm gonna go with top five NBA players that are still in the bubble. So we all know that the Clippers lost, and now I had to change my whole list around because I had originally had Kawhi Leonard in there. Not anymore, and I would have taken him off anyways after that performance. So, in no particular order, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray, who has been probably breakout player of the bubble. He's been unreal just out of nowhere. Been phenomenal. Uh, next on the list, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. He's been fantastic for the Heat. I mean, the Heat in general have just been killing it. Tyler Hero could have just as easily made this list, but Jimmy Butler for me is he's one of my one of my favorite NBA players that isn't a Sixer. He used to be a Sixer, but that's a whole different story I could go on a spiel about. Um, next on the list is LeBron James. Obviously, he's one of the best players to ever do it, and he's still killing it in the playoffs defensively, offensively. Playoff LeBron is no joke. Um, the next player is his teammate, Anthony Davis, who has also been killing it. I mean, that duo is just unbelievable. Him and LeBron James, it's, uh, it's, it's nuts. And then, uh, next on the list, I have, uh, Jason Tatum and I'm a, uh, I'm a big Duke fan and I, uh, I don't like the Celtics cause I'm a Sixers fan, but Jason Tatum has been killing it. He absolutely scorched the Sixers, uh, in the divisional rounds. So it was, um, that was tough to see, but Jason Tatum makes the list and that rounds out the top five NBA players in the bubble. Take it away, Sammy. 
Yeah, so I'll stick with the theme of basketball. Got my hot take of the week, and this will come with the conference finals. So, obviously, we have the Celtics and Heat, who we just watched yesterday. And as a big Celtics fan, it pains me to say that I think the Heat will win this series Damn. solely because the Celtics have not been able to win close games in the postseason so far. They lost two very close games to the Raptors last series in very close games. They lost an overtime game to the Heat yesterday. So I really just don't think the Celtics have, although Kemba has played terrible minus the clutch situations and he's been hit some good step backs from around the free throw line. I don't think they're going to be able to close out the close games, which I think every single one is going to be in this series against the Heat. And on the other side, as much as I want the Nuggets to win, I don't know. And I, I hope they win because I'm doubting them. I don't know what they have to do to stop the Lakers. I really don't know what they have defensively to stop LeBron. I don't know what they have defensively to stop um, Anthony Davis or even playoff Rondo, who's somehow come back to life this year. True. He was a contender for the list, Rajon Rondo. But uh, he didn't make the cut. But, you know, I would love just I – mean, we said this a little bit earlier. I would love to see a Heat and Nuggets finals. That would be – awesome to watch i mean i know dom said this earlier a little bit off the air the nba would love nothing more to see the lakers and the celtics go off on a a, a finals uh, series um but i don't want to see that i want to see the nuggets play the heat in a, a nice scrappy basketball game should be good i mean i would love nothing more than just to watch a um an FNM versus Dickinson game in the Klein. That's what, that's what I want to see. So after talking to coach Soretti, he got me pretty fired up and uh, give me a little nostalgic. Um, mm-hmm. Not going to be calling any, uh, any basketball games this fall, which, you know, they were yeah. some of my favorite games to broadcast. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's my little nostalgia yeah. of the yeah. day as well. Don, did you, did you call the game uh, against FNM last year where they went to overtime? I think home? so. I yeah. think I did. I think I did. I don't remember. Everything's Ryan, Ryan Robinson hit that bank shot to, to send it into. OT yeah. Yeah. OT. I did call that game. I believe. Yeah. I was at that game. That was electric. It was so fun. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That is going to do it for speak of the devil's podcast. Thank you all for joining us very much. Uh, Sam and Dom. Great job as always. It was a great interview. Uh, I thought we all asked some great questions. Thanks again to coach Alan Soretti and uh, make sure you guys go check out the grazery. Also go check out Dom's podcast days with Dom. Uh, check out my podcast, the wolves of broad street for all your Philly sports needs. Um, and any, any final words, boys. I'm just going to, I'm going to replug Phoebe with, uh, with her sunset talks. Go back go. and uh, check that one out for anyone who might've missed her episode. Just, uh, I would just say, just reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Somebody, another Dickinson student, faculty member, uh, you know, keep that community strong. Something I've been not doing as well as I would like to, but you know, just trying to reach out to as many people that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, just keep that community ties. Keep uh, keep us Dickinson strong, everybody. That's it. Thanks again, everybody. Old devs. Old devs. <laughs>